All right, we're going to start in the Gospel of John today. Michael, you can go ahead and put up the scripture. We're going to, this, is, this is John. You know, there are four Gospels, obviously. Two of them have very lengthy Christmas stories, nativity stories. Uh, John has one verse. So this is John's nativity story. And this is what he says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, you know, we find it here. We find the Christmas story summed up, you know, the glory of it summed up in just basically a statement. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when, and we've got some more pictures of, of Mary. These are just some pictures that I like, and Michael can scroll through them. But when this young Jewish woman, uh, a virgin named Mary, gave miraculous birth to a boy baby in Bethlehem 2,000-ish years ago, that, that's what happened. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's an amazing truth. I want to speak about it today. We're going to divide the verse up into three parts. Uh, so we've got course, what I just said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You can keep going, Michael. And then we beheld his glory. We're going to talk about that, be reminiscent of last month's message. And then finally, we'll talk about full of grace and truth. Amen. So just pray with me for just a moment. Lord, we thank you, God, for just a time to look at, at your word. I ask, Lord, that you would break the bread of life, Lord, to us today. From, from the scriptures, that you would reveal Jesus to us again today. Amen and amen. All right. Now, he calls, John calls Jesus the Word. Some of us are familiar with that a terminology. Some of us might not be so much. But why does he do that? Why does he call Jesus the Word? Well, John actually begins his gospel talking about this. I kind of like this. The, 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 uh, the Gospel of John and Genesis start with the same phrase, in the beginning. I don't know if you knew that. But uh, it's up here. If you, Michael, you can get to that scripture. One more. Well, maybe two more. There it is. John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. Some of you could quote this with me. And the Word was God. He was in, and, and then it says he. Wait a minute. I thought we were talking about the word. No, the word. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was in the beginning with God. Before the world existed, before anything we experience in the material world existed, Jesus was was with God in the beginning. Hebrews 1 verse 2 says, In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. Now, now, what do we use when we speak? We use words, right? That's, that's what speaking is. It's the use of words. God has spoken to us by Jesus. He is the Word of God, whom He appointed the heir of all things and through whom He created the world, there it is again, through whom? I mean, these are such big things. It's like we can read these in the Bible and like, oh, you know. But when we stop and think about it, 
He created the world through Jesus. It's interesting, you look at Genesis 1. Most people, that's a chapter they're a little bit familiar with in the Bible, the six days of creation. Uh, but you look at that, and uh, time and again it says he spoke, right? The light's coming on, thank God. Amen, hallelujah. Time and again, it says, uh, it, it says in Genesis 1, and God said... Like day one, let there be light, and there was light. So he was using the word, right? We can see it right there in Genesis 1. It was the word of God that was, was creating the earth, was creating the world. And it's an important truth to kind of get into our hearts today. I'm going to go back to Colossians 1 again. Uh, we did mention this last time I spoke. But I want to read this again. Colossians 1 says... Um, and all these scriptures will be there, Michael. You just kind of got to find them along the way, bro. I got every scripture up there. <laughs> it says, he is the image, Jesus, we're talking about. Now look at this. Who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. For by him, all things, there it is again, were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And here it is again, his preexistence with the Father. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, I think it's interesting in Genesis 1, you're reading this story of creation. God is speaking, let there be, let there be. And then, and then when we come to day 6, when, when God creates the human race, the human family. It doesn't start like that. It doesn't say, it doesn't start with let there be. So let's look at this. Genesis 1.26 starts a little differently. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God didn't say let me or I'm going to. He said us. Who, who's he talking about? Who's the us? Well, it's the Father and the Son, because remember the verses we've just read? It was through Jesus, through the Son. Maybe I should say through the Son rather than through Jesus. We'll get to that. But through the Son, He was doing the creating. He said, let us make man in our own image. I think it's also interesting. I didn't put it in here. But also the Holy Spirit was there because verse 2 says the Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. So actually the Trinity is in Genesis 1. So you have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit right there in, in Genesis 1. So it's important to know that the Son of God, and let's, let's just try to get, a, get this a little bit today. I think it'll be helpful to us, actually. The Son of God did not become the Son of God when he was born into our world. Yeah, he was already the Son of God. I, I, that's, one, that's a phrase I like in my Christmas song I wrote. It says, the Son of God became a baby. Uh, that's what happened. And uh, he had already existed from eternity with the Father. Now, now here's, a, here's a prophecy in Micah 5. Let's look at this. It's, again, some of these are familiar. It's the prophecy that talks about how Bethlehem is where Jesus will be born. By the way, there are over 300 of these. I was thinking about this. Not 30, not 100, but over 300 Old Testament prophecies. That's, that's kind of a cool study if you ever want to do it. Over 300 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled very clearly in the life of Jesus. You can just see it there, and then you see it there. But this is one of them, Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, 
whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. The New American Standard says from the days of eternity. He existed with the Father. From, who did? The one born in Bethlehem. The one we're talking about right here, Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, existed with the Father from everlasting, from the days of eternity. And our anchor verse today, John 1.14, says not only was Jesus with God, he was God. He was and is God. That's a clear teaching in the Scriptures. Uh, right at the beginning of, uh, of a prayer that Jesus prays in John 17, he talks, and this is the last one I'll do on this, but John 17, verse 3, Jesus is praying. I believe it's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in the Bible, John 17. But he says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, he's talking to God the Father, that they know you, the only true God. That's a great statement, by the way. Who is, who is the God of the Bible? He's the only true God. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work. Now, this is toward the end of Jesus' life. He's praying this. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, look at this. Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you. When? Before the world existed. I mean, can it be any clearer than this? Before the world existed, the Son shared glory with the Father. And so we come back, we kind of full circle, we're back to our anchor verse, John 1.14. Uh, this baby boy, born to the Virgin Mary. When he was born into our world, what happened is he became flesh. <laughs> okay? He didn't start existing. He had existed from eternity past. But he became flesh. He put it this way, you know, he joined the human family. And it was at that moment that he was named Jesus. That's why I kind of corrected myself before. But at that moment when he joined the human family, he was given the name Yeshua or Jesus. He, the Son of God, became, we just read that, was it in the Colossians passage? But anyway, the firstborn of all creation. Well, what does that mean? The first, wasn't Adam the, no. Firstborn here means like in rank. It's not talking about like first, like in line, in succession. The firstborn meaning the, the, the supreme, the leader, the, the main uh, one. <laughs> you know, the main person born as head of the entire human family is Jesus. He's the firstborn from all creation. These are great concepts. I mean, I say, well, it's a little theological here, Pastor Jim, you know, a little heady. But this is good stuff. This is actually can help us. It really can uh, as, as we kind of understand this. And I think it's interesting. We could put it this way. At that moment when Jesus was born, uh, when the Son of God was born as Jesus unto Mary, he became not just Son of God, but Son of Man. Have you ever heard that little phrase in the Bible? You ever noticed it? Son of Man. This is crazy. I looked this up. I may have a, I may have a slide on this. I do. Okay, so it's Jesus' favorite title for himself. I think I didn't know that. But it's what he called himself more than any other title as he was speaking of himself. He called himself Son of Man. Hundred and what is it? 190 verses? Like, wow. 190 verses have that phrase, Son of Man. 79 of them are in the Gospels where 
83 times Jesus is referred to as Son of Man. Hebrews 2.11, I, I love that verse. I don't think I have it up here, but Hebrews 2.11 says Jesus is not ashamed to call them brethren or to call them my family, basically. He's not ashamed of his humanity. He's not ashamed to be related to us. I mean, that's great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like he's saying, when he says son of man, he calls himself that again. It's his favorite title for himself. It's like he keeps saying, look, I'm, 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 I'm with you guys. You know, I'm not ashamed of this. I'm a man. I'm actually a man here. And uh, he's a full-fledged member of the human race. So now there are just a few other verses. I think I'll skip these, but we'll, we'll zip through them real quick, Michael. I'm not going to read every one. But there are other verses in the Bible that talk about Jesus being flesh. This one in Romans 1 says he was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. I actually love this verse because it says, and without controversy. Don't you love things in life that just are without controversy? I love that. <laughs> oh, this is great. But anyway, it says without controversy, God was, I am going to read this, manifest in the flesh. It's just kind of like a summing up of Jesus' life. Manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That's Jesus. And then Hebrews 2.14, we won't read that, but it talks about how uh, Jesus shared in our flesh and blood. It says that the children share in flesh and blood. He himself partook of the same. You see, and th th this is important. I mean, I think it's important. Jesus was not a man who became God. Jesus was and is God became a man and that's important you know there are there are false religions out there hello and uh, a lot of them talk about men or people you know who like achieve some godlike state or you know ecstatic wonderful state you know we should follow these people no no by the way all of them are dead you know all of them died none of them came back from the dead Jesus did the, the truth the one and only truth is that no man ever became God. No man ever will become God. The truth is God became a man. And his name is Jesus. Yeah. Now, from the very early days, very early days of Christianity, this truth came under attack. In fact, John himself, who wrote this gospel that we're in today, you know, he wrote letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. In 1st John, he talks about what's called the spirit of Antichrist. Anybody ever heard Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist? Okay. So this is in, in the days of the apostles, the early days of the church. And, and it says in 1st John 4, verse 2, he, uh, this is what the apostle John says. He says, this you know, by this you know the spirit of God, every spirit of Look at this, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. I mean, you read that like, what? But this is important. It is our confession. It's the confession of the Spirit of God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, the Antichrist, which you heard was coming now and is now in the world Already, And then in 2 John, little bitty book of the New Testament, uh, 1-7, John says, Many deceivers, so true, have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. 
Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Listen, friends, Christmas is very crucial. Not the holiday. I'm not talking about that thing. I'm talking about the message, the reality, the truth of the nativity, of the advent, of the word becoming flesh. Knowing that, believing it, even proclaiming it is of the utmost importance. And the spirit of Antichrist has been attacking it all along and is still attacking it. I, I, you know, I'm in the world enough that I, I experience it. I'm sure you experience it. You know, and there may be someone even here today who, you know, you've kind of been a little subject to that. Maybe some deception, some misunderstandings about Jesus. You can't, maybe in your own heart, you've, you've been questioning things. Uh, but, but today, I'm just telling you, this is true. I am telling you the truth. Yeah. I mean, the truth is good. It's very helpful when you know things that are true. And something that is true is that Jesus is God manifested in the flesh who came to save this world from our sins. In fact, it's probably the most important truth you'll ever hear. And that you'll ever believe or put your faith in. Because if you do, I want to tell you for sure, you will be saved. If you put your faith in that truth, that Jesus Christ came as God manifested in the flesh, died upon the cross to save you from your sins, I tell you today, you will be saved. You will eternally be with the Father. And somebody says, well, I know that. Well, you know, some, sometimes there are people that don't. And we need to say it. <laughs> we need to proclaim it. Because you know what? When we proclaim that, what can happen is there, might, there are people who can start believing it. And that makes all the difference, doesn't it? Come on. If you're one that, if you're one that at one point in your life you started believing it, you could get up here and give a testimony today. It made all the difference, believing that. And I'll make a final point. We won't read these, all these verses. But Jesus, I think this is just kind of important too, a little bit theological as well. But when Jesus ascended, how many of you know he ascended? He returned to the right hand of the Father. That was, that was wild when he did that. But uh, he did not, like on his way up, you know, back up to heaven, like his humanity just kind of fell off or something. He took that human nature. See, it, it was an eternal thing that happened in the Godhead, in the triune Godhead, an eternal thing that will forever now be true. There, there, we have a great high priest who says he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Many times when Jesus, yeah, I'm not going to read these quotes. These are great quotes, by the way, uh, but we're not going to read them. But many times when Jesus talked about coming again, we'll just kind of scroll through these real quick, Michael. There's some scriptures, one more. Many times he said the Son of Man. In fact, again, I told you already it's his favorite thing to, talk, to call himself. But when he's talking about the second coming, when he's, he is returning, he, he most of the time says the Son of Man. Like, look at the one in the middle there. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels. Uh, the last one there. Truly I say, new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious And there's another slide too, a few more. They're all out of Matthew. But there are several verses about Well, Jesus is still... A man. He is fully God and fully man. I took that, that part out of the message, so I saved you from that theological statement. But um, 
he is, he is not a double person. He's not a split personality. He's not a concoction or mixture or transmutation of God. He is fully God and he's fully man. He's the only one, the only being. Fully God and fully man. And then the last book of our Bible, the, the book of Revelation. Uh, John, when he sees Jesus in the vision, it's very clear. You know, he is a man. He has a long robe, his hair, eyes, feet, hands, a voice. Jesus is still, uh, is still has, that, has the human nature, okay? And, and, that, and that, I think that's important to us to know that. Even it says in, Romans, in Revelation 19, a lot of people know this passage, Jesus is, Jesus is coming back riding on, yeah, come on, a white horse. Yeah, you know, not some uh, ethereal spirit coming back. It's a man, the man, Jesus, is coming back, literally riding on a white horse. People that are equestrian oriented, they probably love that. It's like, wow, there are horses in heaven or something. But uh, so that's pretty cool. But he is coming back uh, riding, hallelujah, on a white horse. Now, let's just look real quick at the second part of before we move to, to you know, number two here. It says that he became flesh and and dwelt among us. Pastor Matt reminded me this week, I'd, I'd forgotten this, but that word dwelt is the word tabernacled. He tabernacled. Anybody ever heard the word tabernacle? Okay, Jesus tabernacled among us. And, you know, there's, there's so much imagery in that, fulfillment in that. Because, you know, the tabernacle, I think I put something up here about the tabernacle. But the tabernacle was, was what they carried through the, uh, through the wilderness on the Exodus journey, uh, that, in fact, uh, the God, the Father, prescribed it to be built. Kind of unlike the temple, that was sort of David and Solomon's idea. But, but the tabernacle was God's idea. He said, I want you to do this. And remember, remember the mercy seat in there? I mean, come on, you can't think of that. God didn't dwell among his people on a judgment seat. Hallelujah. He, he, he was dwelling among them on a mercy seat. Sacrifice for sins took place in there. There was the bread of the presence. There was that lampstand always lit. So it's so much imagery of Jesus. Jesus came as the tabernacle, if you will, out of heaven. Jesus dwelt among us. But the phrase dwelt among us, I, I just, one more thing on it. I think it, it really is precious to us because when we think of Jesus coming, I mean, it had to feel like a demotion. But anyway, Jesus coming to be a human here with us, I call it, the pathos of Christ, it's not a word we use a lot, but we get the word sympathize from that, the pathos of Christ. Jesus, from dwelling with us, he, he actually understands us, you know? He didn't just originate the human experience, he experienced, <laughs> and actually in some way still does, experienced the human experience. He dwelt among us. He's God with us. He drew near to us. I love how the Message Bible puts this. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, He moved in. He, he moved into your neighborhood, to my neighborhood. As a man, He lived upon earth. He didn't, again, just originate everything. He entered into it. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, let's go to part two today. The next part of John 1.14, the verse there says that we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father. 
So this second part of, of John's one verse nativity story talks about how we see in Jesus, we behold the very glory of God, magnificence, radiance, splendor, majesty of God. And, uh, you know, we, let's just talk about, I'm just going to be very brief and go through these. We'll have to click through these, Michael. But um, Colossians 1.19 says, In Him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So the first part of the message here, last few minutes, we've been talking about how Jesus was fully man, right? Became fully a person, fully a member of the human family. Now we're going to talk about, hey, guess what? He was also fully God. This man, Jesus, was and is fully God. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So let's talk about it for just a moment. How do we consider today, how do we behold His his glory, the glory of God? Well, here they are. First of all, obviously, a virgin birth. The only one that ever happened. It's incredible. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she conceived of Jesus. So secondly, the angelic announcement. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward man. That's on our right now. Um, so that was glorious. I don't know anybody lately that's had, you know, the angels of God show up at their birth. Uh, a new star? Hello? A, a new star appeared? I mean, who can do that? Who can make that happen? That's glorious. A new star appeared at his birth. We beheld Jesus' glory at age 12 in the temple when his parents found him. And uh, he was, it says he was just amazing everyone in the temple. Uh, we beheld his glory at, at his baptism by John. The heavens were opened and, uh, and the Spirit of God descended on him. We beheld his glory at Cana of Galilee, the first miracle where he kept the party going, where he turned the water into wine. We beheld his glory as he healed the sick. We're just going quickly through this. We beheld his glory when he fed 5,000 and then again 4,000 with just a few loaves and fishes. We beheld his glory as he demonstrated, I don't know, may not know this, but he demonstrated that he knew all things. John 16, 30, now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. And this is why we believe you came from God. Wow. Would you like to hang out with somebody who knows everything? I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, I think, <laughs> you know. But he knew all things. That was a part of his fully God nature, okay? We beheld his glory as he spoke into being great catches of fish. He'd have them, you know, put down their nets and they would catch fish. We beheld his glory, amen, as he cast out the demons and showed complete authority in the demonic realm. Uh, we beheld his glory as he taught with authority. Whatever he was teaching, the people marveled at, at the things he said. Three times Jesus raised the dead. Did you know that? Not just Lazarus. It happened three times. It was a widow's son. I think he even stopped the funeral or something. And, and then uh, I think it was Jairus or Jairus' uh, daughter. I think a, a, a girl. Tabitha, I believe. I mean, that's glorious. Jesus could raise people, could bring them back <clears throat> from the dead. We beheld his glory as he walked on the water out on the ocean. <clears throat> we beheld his glory as he calmed a storm at sea. Yvonne talked about this today. We beheld his glory as he forgave sins. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven to that paralytic that was let down through the roof. He said it at other times. We beheld his glory last month as he was transfigured. 
before them. We beheld his glory at the resurrection when he appeared alive from the dead. We beheld his glory when he ascended into heaven. Stephen beheld his glory. You remember that? The first martyr of the church? It says he looked into heaven and he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man. There he is, Son of Man. Son of Man, standing at the right hand of God. John beheld his glory as he experienced and wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ, the last book of our Bible. And finally, we shall behold his glory when he comes again. Luke 21, 27 they will see the Son of Man coming in or on a cloud with power and great glory. Oh, the glory. The glory of Jesus. The glory of Jesus. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We behold His glory. Jesus is not only fully man. Jesus is fully God. The last part says that Jesus... Full of grace. I love this. this. He's full of grace. And he's full of truth. A couple couple more verses in John. Just a couple verses after our anchor verse today. says, from his fullness. Still talking about Jesus. We have all received. Isn't this a great phrase? We've all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. He's full of grace and truth. It says from his fullness. What fullness? Well, the fullness of his grace and truth. From the fullness we all have received. All have received grace upon grace and abundance of grace. Not just a little bit. Not just barely enough to get us by but fullness of grace for our lives and abundance. Romans 5.15 says, Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. A lot of people know John 10.10. He came that we might have abundant life. He came that we might receive abundant grace in our lives. Romans 5.20 says the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin abounded or increased, what happened? Grace abounded all the more. Hallelujah. This is so good. Where sin abounded and sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. He gives more grace, it says in, in, in James 4.6. He always has more grace. He gives more grace. Grace Upon grace. That's what we have in Jesus today. Listen, there is grace for your past. There is grace for your present. Whatever you're going through. And praise God, there is grace for your future. You're, 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 this, this, this is the summing up of your life. Grace. <laughs> grace. Hallelujah. There's grace that forgives you. You know what? You are completely forgiven. I don't know if anybody's told you that recently. But every wrong, every sin you've ever done, listen, there's grace. Where sin abounded grace, you are completely forgiven of all, all of your sin through Jesus. Amen. And not only, this is great, not only were your sins forgiven, they were taken away. They were separated from you. They're not a part of your story anymore. 
They're not a part of your identity anymore. Now, I'm not saying the victory over them is not part of you. Definitely that is. But, you know, they're not on the record. Hello. They're not on the record. Your sins have been completely forgiven. And there's grace for newness of life. It says when we come into Jesus, we're a new creation. We get a new life. I don't know any other religion that offers that, which I know we're not talking about religion. But Jesus offers new life to you, real freedom, being born again. Anybody ever heard of that? Born again. Amen. So John 1, 12 and 13, let's not read that. We'll skip it. But, you know, we, we have that ability. We're given the right to become the children of God. What other fullnesses of grace are in Christ? Well, there's grace to do stuff. <laughs> you know, grace to get stuff done. Things that God's prepared for us. Things that, that we have in our lives, our, in our family, at our jobs, different things, in our ministries. There, there's grace for it. There's a grace, there's a grace to do it. There's a grace to bear fruit. Hey, there's a grace to obey God. Obeying God is good. It's a good thing to do. But you don't have to just figure it out. There's grace for it. He gives grace to obey Him. There's grace to understand the Bible. Ask for that. I mean, if you have trouble, you're like, I, I read this, I don't get it. Ask grace. Lord, help me. Help me understand this while I read it. There's so much grace. Grace from the Holy Spirit. He gives what are called the grace gifts of the Spirit. There's fullness in Jesus today. There's an abundance of grace. It says in Romans 5, 17, we actually reign in this life through grace. We reign. It's like the person I heard him say one time, we're not undergoing things, we're overcoming things. <laughs> you know, stop undergoing and start overcoming. I love that. I love that. Yes, we reign in this life through grace. That's what it says. We actually reign in this life. Through the grace of Jesus Christ. And the final truth today, and we'll close. This is so good. Truth. Fullness of truth. He said, if you abide in my words, my words abide in you. You're truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And what will happen? The truth will set you free. Someone told me one time, it's not the truth that sets you free. It's the truth you know. That sets you free. You will know the truth. And it will set you free. Jesus said I am the way. I am the truth. You know today I'm telling you. you could. This would be great. You don't have to live a lie. You can actually live fully in the truth. You, can, you could start that today. If you feel like you know I think. I don't know if I've really been living in the truth. Living in Jesus the fullness of truth. It's, it's truth that is truly true. It's truth that's not shades of gray. How much shades of gray is there out there? Jesus is not shades of gray. He's the truth. <laughs> Amen. He's the full light of the day. Nothing to hide. Don't have to hide behind lies anymore. We don't have to hide behind any deception in our life. We come into Jesus and we come into the fullness of truth. There's such a joy in doing that, in that life lived. And that's kind of where I want to end today. I know we talked a lot. Uh, I put the anchor back up there, but the Word became flesh. Jesus, the Word, eternal Word of God, pre existed with God, the Son from the beginning. He entered the human family, He became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Remember those 20 things, and probably more. Probably wasn't an exhaustive list. 
we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So I'm going to have John put on some music here. Just ask him to put on some music to pray by, I guess. As we close today, I just want to give you an opportunity to, to respond. To just take a moment as we close. I think there, there may be someone here, someone listening even through the podcast. And you've actually never, never entered the great mercy of Jesus. This would be the first time for you. The first time for you to, to reach out and say, you know what? This is something I can believe. This is something I can hang my life on. I don't, you know, sometimes we hear something and uh, it's like, I don't know that I'd ever heard it quite like that. And hopefully I'm, I'm feeling, you know, like the Lord will impart that to you. And your eyes will be opened and you'll be able to see Jesus, maybe like you've never seen him before. This fully God, fully man, giving his life for you. And you... And you have the courage to turn your life over. Turn your life over to Jesus. That's the best thing you could ever do. Is turn your life over to Jesus. I mean, if you're like me, there have been times when I tried to make my life work. You know, I tried to figure out truth. I tried to do good things, whatever. But that wasn't... That wasn't the answer. You know what? The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Giving Him your life. And then receiving fullness of grace. So many of us, you know, ourselves. We could change. I wish I could be different. Well, you can. But not on your own. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Jesus likes you. And Jesus can take your life and, and completely rearrange things. I've, I've had it happen. Many of us could give testimonies of what Jesus does when we invite him into our life. But the, the last thing, so if that's you today, we want you to come. We're going to stand here in just a moment, and I'm going to have a closing prayer. We want you to come up for prayer today. We have a prayer team. We can meet you at the cross over here. And we want to pray for you. I'm going to go over there too today and pray for people who want to come. So if that's you, you want to make this like the first time. Look, I want to come forward. I want to pray with somebody and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I, this is the best Christmas gift ever. Is <laughs> the gift of salvation in Jesus. But let me say, also come. If you just want to enter into a, a strengthening of your faith in Jesus. A strengthening of, of your life. You know. Many of us in, in the workaday world, that spirit of Antichrist is very strong. And you may be subject to doubts right now. I know what that's like. Believe me, don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad about that. But come, we want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to strengthen your faith. Maybe you feel like, I'm, I don't think I'm walking in the fullness of grace. I, that sounds good. <laughs> you know, come, let's pray about that. We pray for you. Let's let some of the prayer team, some of the pastors, whoever comes up to pray, pray with you. Grace. You want to walk in the, hey, the fullness of truth. Amen? Let's dispel the lies, dispel the doubts. Like, look, I'm not going to live a lie. I'm not going to believe a lie. I want to walk in the truth of Jesus Christ. So let's stand together today. Just everyone, right where you're at, let's stand together. I dismiss you today, but let me pray over you. And then if you want to come and respond to anything that was said in this message today, we invite you to come.
Well, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for, for your word today. We thank you that the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, I just feel like even as I was preparing this message, you kept speaking to me that Jesus is the only foundation. Jesus is the only foundation. So, Lord, I ask today, Lord, that you would come again, that you would firmly plant each of us on the firm foundation of Jesus, that the work of God, this kingdom work, Kairos, is fully on the, on the foundation of Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation that can be laid. So, Lord, come now. As, as we close, we ask you, Lord, to come and minister to our hearts, bring people to you, reveal yourself to people, Jesus. We pray, amen and amen.